Hello, everyone. This is Brendan Marcello. Welcome to the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Presented by WeHaveDonuts.com, D-O-U-G-H, Nuts.com. Check them out. They're in Birmingham and Prevail Union Coffee Shops in Montgomery and Auburn. I would go to WeHaveDonuts.com for much more information on how you get their gourmet donuts delivered to you. It's really, really good. Um, really good. Um, so, anyway, I'm going to start off the podcast here on a little bit of a rant. Uh, Tony Barbie, uh, I, I know you guys remember him. Uh, literally the worst coach in Auburn history, uh, based off winning percentage. Um, just a terrible coach. Uh, as you may remember, if you don't know already, he uh, sent out a cryptic tweet just of a crying, laughing emoji while Auburn was being blown out by Clemson in the second round of the NCAA tournament uh, on, uh, uh, goodness, Sunday night, I guess, now. Um, Tony, Mr. Barbie, uh, was asked about it by uh, Kyle Tucker, uh, Kentucky reporter for SEC Country, uh, on on Wednesday as they prepare for the Sweet 16. Um and he says, quote, Tony Barbie says, quote, my emoji had nothing to do with basketball. I wasn't watching games. It had nothing to do with basketball or any university. So I don't know why people took it that way, uh, unquote. Um, I don't know if Kyle or another reporter asked the, uh, him, uh, what the hell was the tweet about anyway? Were you watching Jumanji on iTunes and you really laughed and thought, hey, People need to know how funny this movie is, but I'm not going to tell them what movie I'm watching. I'm just going to tweet out a cryptic uh, tweet about uh, of, of an emoji with no words attached. Give me a freaking break. The tweet uh, is about as la- – in his explanation, his explanation is about as lazy and half-assed as Tony Barbie was as a coach here at Auburn. Uh, literally the worst coach in Auburn history, winning percentage-wise. Uh, the guy doesn't get it at all. Um, this is a guy who had the nation's number four recruiting budget. And no offense to Jack Purchase, but he got guys like Jack Purchase on the team who weren't big-time contributors. Auburn paid for a recruiting trip to Australia for him. This is a guy who spent more time on the links golfing than he did game planning. This is a guy who would show up at practice at the wrong time. Uh, players would be walking around Auburn Arena wondering what time practice would be that day. No set schedule, because even if the schedule was set, he was breaking it all the time with the players. Um, with the media, oh, forget the media, we'd show up and wait for him for an hour or more before he would even walk into the door. What was he doing? Hell if I know. He certainly wasn't winning basketball games. Now, a lot of people are going to go, this sounds like an Auburn homer or whatever. No, this is just a guy who's watched a lot of basketball and watched a lot of coaches and observed a lot of coaches and how they handle their programs. Tony Barbie is by far the worst coach I have ever dealt with in my life. I've only been covering the SEC and, and everything for, goodness, 12 years now. Um, only 12 years, but he is by far the worst coach I've ever had to deal with. 
And I'll say this right now. Him, his explanation as to what his damn tweet was is just lazy and dumb. And I don't know, as I said, I can't speak for the reporter, but if it wasn't asked what was the tweet about, then that needs to be asked. And if it was asked and Barbie shrugged it off, which he's done all the time and just walks away, that that just shows you. But the fact that he did not explain himself at all other than just saying, oh, that's not what it was about, and then that, that's his explanation, it, it, it's kind of the way he was about coaching the basketball team and doing everything else. This is a guy that would yank players off the floor inexplicably while they were hot shooting the basketball. He would just rip them off the floor. One of the worst coaches I've ever seen. One of the worst. I would not trust this guy to run anything, let alone a major college basketball program. Worst hire Auburn ever made. And by far the worst coach that I have ever covered. And I only covered him for a year. I could not have imagined covering him for his entire, uh, <laughs> I guess if you want to call it tenure, I call it a mistake. What He set Auburn basketball back two, three years, and Bruce Pearl brought in some good players. But anyway, not about, not about that, but his explanation about all this is just absolutely silly, dumb, and goes along with his personality and the way he coached which was lazy and half-assed. That's the Tony Barbie way. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, Speaking of Auburn basketball, as we know, they were eliminated in the second round of the NCAA tournament in the game. They were really never in other than I think they were tied 15-15 and then 41-9 run there by Clemson, and it it was over. I mean, Auburn just didn't have a chance in that game. And uh, I'll tell you this – People are wondering, were they out of gas or all this other stuff? Yeah, I I think it's part of it. Yeah, he was out. He was out of gas. They were out of gas a little bit, but I think the biggest concern for Auburn was something that was stretching even before the Anthony McLemore injury. Everybody wants to point to that and how Auburn got thin and then it just gassed everybody. Remember, Auburn got down twenty six points to South Carolina with Anthony McLemore on the court. They actually climbed back into that game with Anthony McElmore off the court and injured, um, Auburn just kind of lost its way. It stopped playing as well as it was. And it's not necessarily just knocking down shots. Definitely they weren't knocking down shots. But here's the reason why I believe they weren't hitting, hitting shots. One, they were tired. Yes. Two, I think players, individuals on the court were just trying too hard. They're trying to take over games themselves and forcing shots and forcing themselves into situations that they were not that were not conducive to winning basketball. They were not doing the things they were doing earlier in the season, which was share the basketball, pass, 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 make that extra pass, find a wide open guy and shoot it. And even when they would do that from time to time over the last three weeks, it was almost like they were out of rhythm by being in rhythm because they were so used to doing their own thing. And it takes me back to uh, what Mustafa Heron was doing. He was having some good games, some good numbers, I should say. And that's not conducive to successful basketball for Auburn. It just hasn't been all season. They're at their best when Jared Harper and Bryce Brown are leading the show, and Mustafa Heron is about like the third or fourth guy. You know what I mean? Mustafa, if he is taking over a game 
And by taking over a game, I mean he's scoring like 18 to 20 points. He's not necessarily taking the game over. He's just putting up a lot of shots and getting his points. Auburn's not going to win games. And that's kind of what happened the last three weeks of the season. Um, Yes, they were gassed a little bit. They were tired. I am not discounting that. But I think the bigger issue was they just kind of got away from what they were doing. Players forced things. They were trying a little bit too hard. And that even goes to Bryce Brown and Jared Harper. They were playing out of their element. Jared Harper did not uh, play um, uh, the way we were accustomed to seeing him play. Dishing out assists, hitting hitting guys for alley-oops just wasn't happening. Everybody was playing out of their element. I think they got away from that 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 signature stew, so to speak, that they were mixing up and able to cook up every night. And um, they just couldn't do it down the stretch. And I think a lot of factors went into that. I think the depth, them being gassed, but mostly they just thought because that there were so few people uh, on the court, well, not on the court, but on the bench, and then they you would see them struggle from time to time, they started pressing, and that's when players started trying to do too much. Uh, Mustafa Heron was maybe the most consistent player when he kind of tried to take over games. But it, it took Auburn out of a rhythm, really, when Mustafa Heron was trying to take over games. But anyway, all that aside, I mean, it was a heck of a run, hell of a run by Auburn. I mean, it, when they lost to Barry in the exhibition game, I thought there was no way this team would even make the NIT. I thought it was over with. Austin Wiley and Daniel Purifoy were on the bench. The FBI investigation had just led to the arrest of Chuck Person, and they lost to Barry. Um, I, I didn't see it coming. Heck, I didn't even see it coming uh, in one game I covered in the non-conference schedule um, against UAB. It was kind of an ugly game back and forth. Everybody kind of thought UAB was going to challenge for the NCAA tournament. That didn't happen this year. But they won 75-70, to 70, but it was kind of a back-and-forth kind of ugly game for Auburn. And I tweeted that it's not a great Auburn team. And people took that, oh, my goodness, so badly uh, in the about a month or two later when Auburn actually started making the run. They, they dug up the tweet. Hindsight's twenty twenty, I guess, but uh, I'm open to taking the criticism for that. But Auburn kind of got back to what I was seeing that December night against UAB. They – there just kind of wasn't really any great rhythm to the game. And Jared Harper and Bryce Brown obviously weren't tired, and they were playing better at that time. But I would say that even that December team I saw when they were playing UAB and they won by five points, I think that team would have beaten the team uh, that was in the, in the NCAA tournament just because uh, they kind of got away from everything. That, that It looked like a so much, much more different team because they were not playing – uh, Auburn basketball and the way they they were the way they got successful this season and I I would think that uh, Bruce Pearl will probably say the same thing. Obviously, I was not in San Diego. Uh, Philip Marshall, uh, our Philip Marshall, was in San Diego there and watched the game in person and saw practice, saw some practices and everything. But just from what I can gather from talking to some folks and then watching this team on television and also in person over the last three weeks of the season. That's kind of what I took from it. I, I don't know what you guys took from it, but that's kind of what I thought, um, in my opinion. So, uh, But now that's the off season, and we start talking about Bruce Pearl's future. Obviously, with the FBI investigation and Chuck Person, uh, we found out uh, earlier, uh, I guess when was it, Tuesday night, that uh, Daniel Purifoy has been cleared finally by the NCAA, but he's got to miss the first 30% 
of next season, which means about nine or ten games. Um, I'm not sure on the exact number. I know some po- folks are saying nine games, but it might be nine or ten. Um, so Austin Wiley and Daniel Purifoy will be eligible to play at some point next season. Question is, does does Austin Wiley come back to the team next year, or does he try to go pro? Um, I'll get back get into that a little bit right now in, in a little bit, but the, the immediate future concerns Bruce Pearl's future. And, and what I can tell you is people want to know about a timeline. You know, where's the NCAA and all this? Where's Auburn and all of this? Here's what I could say. Auburn obviously hired Lightfoot Franklin White back in uh, November, early, early November, when the uh, Chuck Person arrest happened. And they started doing an internal review. And that's when that led to the suspension of the administrative leave, I should say, of two st- support staffers, Jordan Verhulst and uh, former Auburn guard Frankie Sullivan, who was uh, on the support staff. They were suspended or placed on administrative leave. They have not been told or explained as to why exactly they've been placed on administrative leave. Obviously, the internal investigation turned some things up, and that's why they were placed on administrative leave as they continued to investigate. This independent group, which Auburn's paying money, obviously, has had five months to look into all of this. So obviously they have gathered gathered things. Um, and now it's time for them and the Auburn's president's office and others, general counsel, whatever, to sit down with Bruce Pearl and talk. And I was told Tuesday night by the president's office that discussions, quote, are ongoing um, with Bruce Pearl. Now, I don't take those discussions to mean that there's a contract extension on the table. In fact, that's not what's going on, obviously. You know, after a season in which Auburn wins an SEC title and wins 26 games, the second most in, in school history, you know, contract extensions are definitely at the forefront of the conversation. But because of that FBI investigation and the resulting fallout from it, the discussion's going to be how much did Bruce Pearl know? Did he know anything? And is there anything else that they need to be concerned about with the program? And that's where this internal investigation comes up and comes in. Now, here's what we also know. Uh, Stephen Leith, the president of Auburn University, has also said that the NCAA is coming. They are coming to town. Now, will Bruce Pearl be sitting down and talking to them? Don't quite know. But my gut feeling, and this is just my opinion right now, this isn't you know necessarily facts on what I'm being told. I'll get to what I'm being told here in a minute. But my gut feeling is that Auburn has got to make a decision and stand by that decision sometime before the summer months. And the reason why I say that is because of recruiting, number one, and number two, the players on the team. You have to do right by them. You have to let them know who their coach is going to be before it's too late to leave the program if they want to. Because too often these players get caught in situations, could get caught in situations where, you know, their coach leaves or gets fired or whatever, or something happens, and then they really don't have any options to leave, even though they're going to hate staying there or whatever. And that that's just the human part of it. No, no Auburn fan, and for that fact of the matter, myself want to see these players leave Auburn. I like to see them and keep covering them, and because they've got a pretty good unit coming back next season, as we all know. But you got to be fair to the student athletes too. You have to think of them, and so I would hope that Auburn and its independent investigation uh, through Lightfoot Franklin White have had enough time in five months to dig up whatever they have and then start questioning Bruce Pearl and the staff now that the season's over um, to make a sound decision and so that 
they don't necessarily have to wait on the NCAA to come to town and, you know, ask questions themselves because they're going to go, here's what we discovered, here's what we're turning over, and this is why Bruce Pearl's our coach still, or this is why Bruce Pearl's not our coach anymore. Um, they've got to do that, I think, before the summer months. Now, that's my opinion f- part of it. Uh, my, f- From what I'm being told, and these are people on in Bruce Pearl's corner and on his side, they believe they're going to know something in the next two to three weeks. Um, I don't know why they believe that. And this goes back to why, why didn't the reporter follow up with Tony Barbie about what he was tweeting about? But um, I haven't been able to get anybody to tell me why two to three weeks. Um, is it true? Don't know. I don't know. But people in his corner seem to think that things will get settled down here in the next two or three weeks. Bruce Pearl said in San Diego he expects to be the coach. Um, but he also said, unless the, they, you know, find something, which was a very interesting quote, um, and probably one he probably wishes he could have back, but he said it, uh, but having said that, it'll be interesting to watch these next two to three weeks. See if that timeline that, like I said, that's why we're not necessarily reporting that it's just because it's based off stuff that I've been told that, that from people in Bruce's corner, um, not necessarily people that are involved in the investigation or whatever. Maybe it's been communicated to Bruce's people. I don't know. But, you know, uh, really the final word in all this is going to come down to the president's office. They've been handling everything. Whenever a player's eligibility has been addressed or they've been cleared or uh, uh, two staff members were placed on leave or Chuck Person was fired, it, all the announcements and statements that come from the president's office, not the athletics director, uh, who, who is Jay Jacobs and now Alan Green, not the athletics department, not an athletics uh, department spokesman like usual. It's all come from the president's office. So this is obviously something that's being handled by the president's office, as we all know, and an independent investigator. And now is the time for them to sit down. And as they said, as they told me Tuesday night, this is they're having ongoing discussions with Bruce Pearl, which leads me to believe that they're working toward a resolution of some sort. Um, what will happen? I don't know. I really don't. It all depends on what the internal investigation uh, pulled up, and also if that whatever they discovered they present to the NCAA, and the NCAA goes, "Okay, this is uh, this is what you got," or whatever, because. The NCAA obviously has got its hands full right now as it just pertains to college basketball as a whole uh, during the fallout of this FBI investigation. Um, uh, and, and obviously not just at Auburn, but everywhere. Um, but there you go. That's where things stand. Now, as far as future of players, uh, the two guys I would be really concerned with if I, as far as maybe leaving um, – you know, in a, in, a, in a vacuum, so to speak. Let's say Bruce Pearl's a coach, nothing changes, but the NBA's a factor. Uh, Mustafa Heron and Austin Wiley are the top two guys that could potentially leave. Uh, I would not be shocked if either of them leave. I know Austin Wiley's kind of on the fringe right now as far as the NBA draft boards, but I think the workouts for him going into May, they've got two months here really, or less than two months, to kind of figure out uh, their situation where they stand. If he has some workouts or whatever and does very, very well, he could rocket up those boards and, and end up leaving Auburn. Uh, Mustafa Heron is an interesting uh, cat just because if you remember a year ago at this time, uh, maybe a little bit over a year ago, obviously, um, 
all of a sudden out of nowhere he announced that hey um i'm i'm staying at auburn no one i thought and people are talking to thought that he was an nba draft prospect but here's what you got to remember a lot of these guys now really do think about leaving and going to you know the d league or going overseas and making money you can make good money playing basketball overseas nowadays and mustafa could do that now would he be drafted? I don't think so. Um, I don't keep too close tabs on it, but I haven't heard his name or seen his name on any lists. Uh, but I, I think he could potentially leave. He's going to look at it. And if Auburn were to lose both of them, that would obviously hurt their depth. But having said that, Auburn's going to have a really good team next season, uh, at least if they, if they can keep everybody healthy and keep everybody on uh, on board outside those two that are looking at every looking at potentially entering the NBA draft, and then in a perfect world, if Bruce Pearl returns and those two players return, and Austin Wiley returns, and D'Angelo Purifoy returns, and you get Mustafa Heron back as he tries to look at the NBA, that is a loaded team and one that has not not only is loaded but has that depth finally. Auburn obviously was dealing with eight scholarship players down the stretch, as it was just dealing with. Oh my goodness! So much, so much um, in the way of uh, off the court issues, obviously, and then of course with the injury to Anthony Mclemore, which really changed things for Auburn down the stretch. But I mean, if you look at like what a depth chart would look like, so to speak, in the rotation, if everybody returned, all of a sudden the center position is no longer Anthony Mclemore and Horace Spencer, or as it was this this season. Uh, late in the season, Horace Spencer and Chumo Kiki. All of a sudden, it's it's Austin Wiley and Anthony McLemore with Horace Spencer mixing as a third option, and then you can move Chumo Kiki to the four where he's better and can go out to the wing and be a shooter as well. Um, they've got some really great pieces coming back. Uh, Bryce Brown coming back, Jared Harper coming back at at point guard. Uh, man, and if Mustafa Heron comes back and they have Daniel Purifoy. That man, that that's that's a heck of a lineup, and one that'll be in the top half of the SEC. And uh, I know a lot of people will be like, "Well, top half? Why aren't they should be at the top?" SEC is going to be pretty, pretty darn dangerous next season, uh, in my opinion. If you just look at the players that are coming back, the teams, obviously, and what they've been able to build with their new coaches uh, over the last three, four years, uh, pretty, pretty darn impressive, and. Uh, I know that the SEC isn't very well represented in the Sweet 16 right now with Kentucky and Texas A&M. Actually, the two teams everybody expected to finish in the top two um, in the preseason. Isn't that funny how that worked out, uh, even after Texas A&M struggles and Kentucky losing four straight? But, um, you know, I, I think next year could be just as good. I could, I could see the SEC sending seven, maybe eight teams to the uh, NCAA tournament once again. Uh, it's the deep. It's a deep league. Finally, it's back. Uh, in my opinion, you're seeing a lot of fun basketball teams out there. Um, can Auburn keep it going? Because they've got to build off this. They've got to continue winning. Number one, but they also got to continue recruiting very well. And obviously, recruiting hasn't been um, very, I guess, uh, you know, top tier elite right now. One because this everything that's going on with college basketball and the investigation. But two, Auburn doesn't have any seniors on scholarship right now other than uh, – I don't think Pat Kime was put on scholarship. Maybe I'm wrong. He may have been put on scholarship at some point. But, you know, Pat Kime didn't play, but he was the only senior on the roster. So 
Auburn's returning all these underclassmen unless a couple go to the NBA draft. Now, then that also opens up the door if, if those two guys, uh, those two guys being, of course, Wiley and Heron, go to the NBA draft, and if Bruce Pearl's still around, does Bruce Pearl go on the grad transfer circuit and try to find someone? And again, that goes back to my point that, in my opinion, Auburn's got to get this settled somehow, some way, and make a decision on Bruce Pearl before the summer months. So Bruce Pearl or whoever the coach is can figure out what to do with this roster and going forward recruiting-wise because if you stretch this any further, it could really hurt your program. Even if you are leaning, obviously, toward keeping him, you better make that judgment and that decision uh, as soon as you can instead of just dragging it out because that, that affects your, your image and affects things with, with recruiting on the recruiting trail. So that's just my opinion and also some insight to what I'm getting. Anyway, um, football back in session after spring break. School's back in session. Auburn was on a 12-day break, returned to the practice field. Most of you already know receiver Eli Stove tore an ACL in the final practice before spring break. Just a bad, bad break for him. Extremely, insanely talented. Um, he is out, had surgery last week, last Tuesday actually. How long he'll be out, I don't know. But uh, uh, good luck to him. Auburn needs him. I know Auburn's very deep, but he was their jet sweep guy. He was a guy that really could mix it up. He had 30 rushes and 29 catches. Very balanced effort there last season. Uh, that's a big loss for Auburn. We'll see when they can get him back. Um, also, we have some insight, some intel for our Auburn Undercover VIP members that you can find in uh, Three Things I Know, Three Things I Think at AuburnUndercover.com. Updates on several injuries, updates on what, what happened behind closed doors at practice Tuesday. They returned to practice Tuesday. Media wasn't allowed to watch. There was no media availability with players to speak to them or the coaches. But we got some insight into what happened uh, at practice, and especially what's going on with Jarrett Stidham uh, and his shoulder, uh, the quarterback for Auburn, the first 3,000-yard passer to ever return for a second season at Auburn. So find that at auburnundercover.com. Three things I know, three things I think, and, of course, we'll have plenty of coverage of football as they get back on the field Thursday, and we have a media availability. We'll actually be able to watch about 15 minutes of practice and then we'll speak, I believe, to Gus Mouse on some players after practice as well. So that's going to do it for the Auburn Undercover podcast. Plenty of stuff going on, of course. We didn't even talk about baseball and softball right now. Softball with a big uh, series win against Alabama. Uh, baseball getting into the top ten after taking the series against Texas A&M to open up the SEC. They lost to Georgia Tech Tuesday night, so that hurts a little bit. They got a big series coming up this weekend as well. See if they can keep it on on the roll here, and see if they can stay in the top ten. Uh, it's kind of incredible what the big three sports have been able to do this academic year: football, basketball, and baseball, all ranked in the top ten at one point. I believe, based off my research, it's the first time since the eighty six, eighty seven academic year at Auburn that that has happened. Uh, quite an incredible feat. So anyway, thanks for listening to this episode presented by WeHaveDonuts.com. D o u g h nuts dot com. Make sure to go to wehavedonuts.com for uh, donuts. Make sure to go to auburnundercover.com or auburn.247sports.com for complete Auburn coverage. See you down the road.